Welcome to Nice Talk, the crypto show by NiceHash, where we feature expert commentary from around the industry. And my name is Joe. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at NiceHash. Joining me is Marco, our mining hardware manager. And we're very happy to welcome today our special guest, Daniel Keller, who is co-founder at Flux. So at NiceHash, we recently added uh, Zellhash to the platform. So we're looking forward to dive into it deeper with you. And can we start off just by telling us a bit about yourself and, and what you do? Yeah, first off, thanks, Joe and Marco, for having me on today. I really do appreciate it. Um, nice, nice hash has uh, been around for a very long time and has supported the mining community in many different ways. And I'm super appreciative to you guys taking the time to talk with me today. So I am the co-founder and CSO for uh, Zelcor and for uh, Flux. So Flux is a decentralized computational network. Um, essentially, we were Web3 before Web3 was cool. Uh, we built uh, a, a very broad uh, platform with Flux OS and other products that uh, continue to kind of keep bolstering the ability for people to deploy on the platform. Um, we started out with a couple hundred nodes and we're well over 2,800 now. And we're getting ready to go through our node halvening within the next uh, month or so. So I think you know our, our rough estimates are between 10,000 uh, plus nodes that'll be deployed all across the network. And of course, our GPU side of the house with all our awesome miners. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about all of it. Awesome, cool. I had no idea I had so many nodes. That's awesome. Can you yeah, describe I'll, a bit uh, for, for a newcomer? Like what is what is Flux? Someone who's never heard of it? How would you describe that? Well, it, so the 10,000 foot view is this. If, if somebody asks you what's Flux, the easiest response is we are the AWS of blockchain. So essentially blockchain is a service. So we uh, allow and enable um, decentralized projects and even centralized projects to deploy in a decentralized manner. So um, you can run dApps, you can run oracles, you can run websites, you can run anything that you can place in a Dockerize container, you can deploy on the Flux network. So our goal was to replace or augment uh, what AWS was doing. Currently, the conventional model is if you're a business and you need infrastructure, you go to AWS, AWS deploys this to co-load locations, wherever your region is, you might get one or two, but it's fairly centralized. We go peer to peer. So essentially what Flux does is it relies on the node operators to provide enterprise-based infrastructure to us that we then provide out to other people in terms of de deployment. So um, one of the cool kickers is I tell people this right now is if I want to deploy a pretty pretty high-end server on Amazon Web Service, it's going to cost me about $135 a month for deployment. Um, on Flux, it's $0. So you can come on, you can deploy your dApp, you can deploy your website. We have multiple websites running on there now. We have dApps, we have nodes, so we support you know, Kusama, Polkadot, KDA, uh, Firo, Presearch, you can deploy all these different nodes right on Flux today. So, and you can do it, you can do it for free, which is amazing. How is this possible? How is it possible to like, somebody must be paying electricity or something? How is that possible? Yeah, it's essentially the same way you guys conceptually know a lot about mining. It's, it works exactly like mining. So, you know, uh, to, to mine, you have to put the resources in. So you buy the hardware, you buy the gear, you buy the electricity, you make sure that you're good, and then you get the asset in return. It's the same way with node infrastructure. You deploy the node, you deploy the infrastructure, whether you're doing it on a Jetson or a Raspberry okay. Pi, or you're doing it on legacy-based infrastructure, and you're being incentivized by Flux, the asset. Okay. So so there, we're essentially going peer-to-peer -peer with, with providing that technology. So basically, if there's a limit of how many uh, nodes you can have depending on the cost of running a node and uh, compared to the price of the token. Because at some point, the running a node on Flux won't be profitable anymore. So I guess that is the limit uh, of how many resources, how many servers you can host on Flux. Why, why would you say that it wouldn't be profitable? For the uh, for the owner of the node, because yeah. uh, the amount of uh, flux token he will get in fiat won't be uh, the same, won't cover the costs. Well, first of all, you guys are miners, so you know delayed return on investment, yeah. right? So you know that if you have to drop down, 
you know, six thousand to ten thousand dollars to build a new rig. I mean, you're lucky if you if you're getting it that cheap. Um, then you're understanding your your delayed return on investment. There are particular point in times where you will mine at a at a barely a profit or even at a a, a loss to take a position in a particular asset. So you don't have that issue currently with the nodes because I think our 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 main node, which is we have Cumulus, Nimbus, and Stratus. I believe the Stratus is making over $2,000 a month if you're deploying that node. And not only that is what I didn't mention, and, and I think this will help you, Marco, a little bit, is you're not only mining, or you're not only providing computational resources for Flux by transactional validation on the network, you're also providing infrastructure for third parties. So essentially, if you deploy a Flux node, and then on top of that, you deploy a KDA chain web node and also a KDA node, you'll be rewarded in Kadena as well, because you're essentially helping them to incentivize their network to remain decentralized. So it conceptually, it works a little bit different than just, you know, mining and you, you know, you understand delayed return on investment. You understand that you may be mining at a loss. You have to cover your cost. Whereas a node, you're only limited to the projects that deploy on the network. And then you can increase your, essentially your holdings in those particular positions by providing those computational resources. Okay, thanks. Uh, how did you get involved with Flux? I mean, where does the idea came come from? And uh, can you well, tell we us more? well we 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 started our life as uh, as Zellcash, which we were a fork of uh, 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 Zcash, essentially. So we're the I think we're the number four, or number five uh, most utilized, uh, but Bitcoin fork. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin obviously is number one, and then Litecoin and a couple ahead of that, but um, but we, we did it a little bit different. So we, we knew kind of right away that we didn't want to be a carbon copy of another project. We wanted to be, a, uh, we wanted to be originators of, we didn't want to be the next Ethereum or the next Zcash. We wanted to be the first flux. Um, yeah. at that point we were, we went from a, uh, kind of a rebranding process. We dropped the cash. We had Zell, then Zell eventually completely forked and rebranded and became flux. So and we did that for a lot of different reasons because we weren't when we we deployed the project initially we understood there was two areas that we needed to cover one was we needed to be able to custody assets in a more seamless way than what was out there you guys remember mining wallets i mean you guys remember you know setting up these full nodes they were a serious pain in the rear end right so that gave birth to zellcore and Zellcore is a multi-asset platform, 300 plus assets, 58,000 plus tokens in it. It has API integration for exchanges. It has direct fiat on ramps with wire. So our goal was to create this platform so that people could actually mine and uh, participate in the, these networks in a more in a more consolidated manner. Now, the cool thing was we realized if we didn't build something to run Flux on top of, or uh, um, Zellcore on top of, it would just be another Web2 legacy-based piece, right? So it would have areas of exposure where if Amazon, if we were running on Amazon servers and they decide to come in and they're like, you know what, we don't like crypto anymore, so guess what, your servers are gone. So the initial idea around, you know, how do we take masternodes that really was at that particular, you guys remember the masternode craze, right? It was, it was totally gross. But the underlying fundamental infrastructure or the plan of it was could could have been used so what we did is we took the the good technology pieces of deterministic nodes and we we applied that to our layer two um our our we that's our kind of proof of use work platform which is our node structure okay and what is flux os what, what flux os what's that uh, i read so, that on your page but uh yeah yeah Flux OS is the operating system that runs on Linux that that basically enables all of this to happen. So it's the, it's the bread and butter. It's the uh, when you set up a node, you're deploying it on a Linux. It's it's based on Linux, so it's built on top of Linux. So you have the Linux operating system, and then on top of that, you build the Flux OS. So and it really acts just like that as a secondary operating system that allows the node the node users to communicate with their nodes. It allows the network to be able to deploy on the on the networks. Uh, we have Flux Domain Manager that does domain management. We have um, Zell ID, which is our uh, self-sovereign uh, um, identification uh, for for um, different components for the infrastructure that ties your Zell core to your Flux node. Um, 
We have Zell, Zell, that was Zell ID, Zell, uh, two-factor authentication. We have uh, D2FA, which is decentralized two-factor authentication built on the blockchain. So there's no third party. If you want uh, 2FA, you can deploy that right out of Zellcore and have a decentralized two-factor authentication. So it's really a suite of multiple pieces of the platform. It's very, um, it's very holistic. Uh, it, it looks a lot different than probably every other project that you've ever looked at sans maybe, you know, maybe a, a Solana and, or, you know, what kind of is happening with ETH. it's an ecosystem, but our ecosystem looks different. We're the guys that we sell the pickaxes and the shovels and the pans and the gold rush where it's a pure inf infrastructure play. We're agnostic. We don't pick or choose winners or losers. We, we bring in the best technology and we place it on our platform. Okay. Thanks. So I guess, uh, very cool. Oh. Sounds very, sounds very secure. Yep. It, it, and it's like, it, it's an iterative process. So, you know, we're continuing to, to keep growing and, uh, we have a very vibrant, like we call them the, they're the flux army, but boy, they're in your face, man. They, they love, they love, they love the project and there's not, what's not to love. Like when you, when you end up coming and discovering and falling down the rabbit hole, that's flux, you realize very quickly that you're into something special. And I'm not saying that cause it's my project because whether or not I was, sitting here talking to you or somebody else was representing Flux, um, it is a very exciting project. So the project I work on. The, the same thing happened to me when I started investigating Flux. I was just like, oh, they really offer a lot of things, a lot of interesting things. Like uh, when I imagine hosting servers on Flux, that's quite uh, interesting. Well, you know, the nice thing about, uh, you know, and there's projects that complain about miners. <clears throat> miners do this thing where they mine and then they just dump it for fiat or they dump it for BTC. You don't see that as much with Flux because the, the ability is to create this passive income model beyond what the mining is. So the most of our miners also run nodes. So it's almost like this symbiotic relationship. If you have a project that can give use case to your utility asset, like Flux does, then those miners don't become, you know, a detriment. They become an absolute essential part of your project. And that's the way we view miners as, is, you know, uh, they, they, they're mining, providing network resources, critical network resources, but they're also becoming part of the ecosystem by tra naturally tra traversing over to stand up nodes and infrastructure. Cause it's, I mean, if you've set up a rig, you can set up a node. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I got a Raspberry Pi running over there with a node and I, I don't know squat about this stuff. They don't, I always tell them they don't let me crypto, but you know, I don't, I, I mean, I'm running, I'm running these nodes and it's, you know, is, is it a, is it easy? It's not easy. Um, these nodes aren't like one click deployment nodes where you think you have a node and, you know, you burn some asset and then, you know, there's a lot of Ponzi scheme like projects out there that say they're one de click deployment nodes. No, no. It's like being a miner. Uh, when you set up that rig for the very first time and you get those cards hashing, that feeling you get at the end, it's like, yes, yes, I did something special. And that's why the people that are running the nodes are often our miners as well, because they they understand that that delayed return on investment. They understand how to create passive income models. And we're facilitating the miners to be able to do these different things, not only on Flux, but our parallel assets as well. So, yeah, so it really draws in, draws you in into the project in, in many different angles. I was going to ask, uh, how is it different from like uh, internet computer, which is some similar uh, decentralized uh, storage computing facility, but you kind of already explained a little bit about the different layers that Flux has that maybe you can explain a bit more of the difference. Between uh, yeah, first of all, when you say decentralized, you actually have to be decentralized. ICP uses basically colo data centers that you can't really provide infrastructure to. So, I mean, ICP as a concept was was interesting and it really started to turn people into Web3. It's a shame that it, you know, was a VC funded 90, you know, 90% VC based project that ended up being a terrible retail play and and a lot of people got wrecked. Um we we kind of saw these things coming. Uh, we knew that there would be projects that deployed like this. So our goal was to make sure one, the user didn't spend resources. Your flux is your flux. You hold it in your Zellcore and you deploy your node. You'll never your, your asset is your asset. 
There's no weird economic model where we make you burn your coins. There's no weird economic model where we, um, you know, make you lock it up for uh, God knows three years. I mean, I mean, what is that? You can start a flux node now and five minutes from now, take it back down again and your assets are back in your platform. And that's how we differ from a lot of these projects. We is we have the, and I'm not just saying again, I'm not saying it's because my projects is factual. Go do your research, check it out. Look at our economic uh, model. We have the best economic model that, that we place the biggest value in our community. Our miners, our node ops, our individuals that are using our parallel assets, our traders, you name it. We put value in that. So, you know, no VC, we have no VC funds. 96% of uh, the total circulating or total supply will be uh, community-based. Uh, the founders took literally enough to run like three nodes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's And, and we were required to run those. Uh, it was four nodes. We were required to run those four nodes as we were starting to to, to build the infrastructure. So there was no pre-mines. There was none of that BS. Uh, fair launch. Um, the found There is a foundation that helps to basically fund the project, uh, which has been very successful. So over the past four years, we've been super good stewards of our resources. We've watched our pennies. We've survived the first bear market. Everybody says, aren't you scared that we're going into a bear market? I'm like, no, man, bring it on. I love bear markets because bear markets, you know, bull markets will make you rich, but bear markets will make you wealthy. Because if you're, if you're in a position to be able to take a large position in projects you believe in, and then the natural upcycle, if you're doing your research and you're doing your due diligence, you're going to be rewarded in the end. So, you know, long story short is I think there are other projects that are out there attempting to to look decentralized, but they're really, really just a Web2 based infrastructure. So my question is, if you want to build it on Web2 and you want it to be centralized, build it on Web2. Don't look at Web3 because Web3 is a lot of work, right? So everything that's been built on Web2, Web2 needs to be built on Web3. So, you know, I think. I, I think people learned a lesson, or at least I would hope they would with the ICP debacle. And that is you have to do your due diligence in a project. You have to understand that large VC firms who take, you know, 80 or 90% of a position in a project isn't good, no matter how you slice it. And it's the same way that, you know, we'll get some hate mail for this one. That's why proof of work is so much more superior than proof of stake. Because essentially, proof of stake is just Web 2. We've already used legacy in the past. We know we don't want that. We want something that is Web 3, that it's de truly decentralized for the people, by the people. And that's exactly what Flux brings to the table. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That's very refreshing to hear. And I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, proof of stake is, like you said, I think it's very similar to the um, traditional models. Yeah, and I, I mean, you guys have been supporters in the space for a very long time in terms of mining, and you understand fundamentally the underpinnings of why decentralization is so important. And, you know, uh, we're in a weird time because, you know, proof of work is being demonized. You got a lot of projects who, you know, were proof of work projects that are starting to move to proof of stake. Um, you know, in the end... Uh, you know, I think when you follow the fads or you follow what you believe will make the price of your asset go up, um, you end up losing out. I, and I always tell everybody on the project this, um, you know, uh, wealth and or your asset increasing in value is a byproduct of a solid project that has a fundamental underpinning and a mission that helps deliver your platform. Right. So, you know. I, I, we don't ever, none of the folks on the Flux project ever even really talk about price because it doesn't matter. It's way too early for us to even envision what it'll look like, you know, years from now. Um, most of the individuals understand that this is much, much more, it's much deeper than any other platform or project out there, including Ethereum, uh, who I think is making a horrible mistake by, you know, basically turning their backs on their miners. But that's great news for Flux. Because you know who's not going to turn their back on miners? Us. <laughs> so bring, bring it, man. <laughs> Don't sing it. Bring it. Bring your hash. We want it. Um, maybe we should move to mining part. Uh, can you tell us more about parallel mining? 
What's that that all about? Yeah, so parallel mining is kind of a that was kind of a watershed moment for the project because um, one of the things that I started talking about very early on in the space is interchain operability. So I believe the holy grail is when blockchains can work together and you can see this symbiotic relationship between these multiple chains. You know, miners tend to be tribalistic, right? My bag is the best bag. Uh, or they tend to be, you know, I'm mining for BTC and I'm going to gonna go ahead and sell it and that's the end of it. Um, we've created really a structure so that people can participate in different ecosystems and this interchain operability and still be able to come back to their their primary uh, chain. So we have Flux, which is the primary chain. And then we have parallel assets that have been deployed on Binance Smart Chain, Ethereum, KDA, Solana, and Tron. Um, Avalanche and uh, Terra, Luna is going to be our next ad is parallel assets. And we use this as a soft scaling model. So if you're holding Flux, whether it's in a node or in your Zellcore wallet or on, I think there's a couple of exchanges like CoinMetro that support uh, this parallel snapshots, you will get not only when we do the snapshot, you'll not only get your asset, your primary asset, you'll get the new asset as well. So you would you would essentially have Flux and then you would get your parallel asset as well. But it also takes into account all of your other parallel assets. So let's say you're in your primary, you're running two nodes. That would be caught in the snapshot. And let's say you're on Binance Smart Chain and you're providing, providing liquidity in a liquidity pool. That would be grabbed in a snapshot. Let's say you're on KDA and you've uh, Cadex is deployed and you're, you're, you, know, you have assets on, on the Cadex platform. That's included in the snapshot. So what that does is, is it is, is allows miners to almost you know, mine and hold with a hedge, knowing that there's going to be a snapshot that'll provide them additional resources. So what we did was we worked with what to mine to allow it to show whatever the current resources are that you're mining. So you're mining right now, you're mining most pools. Pools will usually do this themselves where they distribute the parallel assets. But essentially, you're mining plus you're mining your parallel assets at the same time. So people tend to gravitate to wanting to run more infrastructure, run more nodes because they're going to be re rewarded above and beyond what the normal just node reward is or mining reward is. Miners can do the same thing as well on their pools. If they have, if you mine to a supported pool, which I believe we have about six of them now, um, you you can uh, also uh, get your parallel assets there. And we're getting ready to release the ability for miners to claim their parallel assets without even, you know, running on a pool. So there's there's lots of really cool opportunities there um, with parallel assets. What are those assets? Are those like uh, tokens on the? Um... On the Ethereum chain, yeah. or blockchain, or yep. so that's yeah. not a fan, not a fan of wrapped assets. I think there's too much uh, vulnerabilities there. So what we did was we created a platform called Fusion, which allows you to go from our primary chain to any other parallel chain. So if you have a, a you know twenty thousand flux on Binance Smart Chain, or you went to Binance, you bought the, uh, the Binance Smart Chain version of it, and you brought it back down, you can then go through Fusion to take it to the main chain and deploy a node. So, okay, so go ahead. Yeah, this is not a wrapped coin, but it sounds to me it's very similar to wrapped coin. Not really, because with wrapped coins, you have to rely on third parties to be able to do that. We are actually deploying them natively to the chain. So we're de we're depending on the actual platform and their security model rather than providing a third party to create a wrapped token. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't, we, we didn't. That's a bit, a bit different. From yeah. Fusion. I mean, if you really want to kind of compare, compare it, I mean, Fusion is a bridge, essentially. It allows you to move from one asset to the other asset. So, um, Looks a little different than what any everybody's doing, but it's it it really has opened up the door for us because we picked ten assets right away. We said these are the ten assets we want to deploy on, but that could be that could be a thousand assets. You can continue to keep deploying on multiple chains and being able to per participate in those ecosystems. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, for the very first time, I moved some Flux over to the Solana chain and started to provide some liquidity in one of the liquidity pools. I did it on Binance Smart Chain as well for. Yeah, just to check it out and see how it all worked. And um, we know it works and works successfully because when Flux deployed on the Binance Smart Chain, we immediately became the, one of the number one assets on the Binance Smart Chain. So it was kind of like, oh, cool, nice, nice byproduct. You know, we didn't intend to be, you know, <laughs> the number one growing asset on Binance Smart Chain, but 
because we did it that way, uh, it provided a lot of a lot of individuals came to the came to the project for the very first time because they participated in the DeFi ecosystem. And now there's a new player in town who really can, you know, um, they, they can they can sink their teeth into. And then they, and then they vicariously by discovering the project, then they found out that it's a main chain as well. So now you have folks that that found us because of DeFi or fintech or whatever the word you want to use is. And then now all of a sudden they're deploying on the, the regular infrastructure because they like the project. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> Zilhash is ASIC resistant uh, algorithm. Do you plan to like uh, always support uh, GPU miners or what's behind this decision? Are you mostly for the GPU mines? So uh, I will tell you right here, right now, to all the miners that are listening, we have every intention of always remaining ASIC resistant, FPGA resistant. GPUs are the only true way to actually have decentralized infrastructure. I can stand up my computer. I have a graphics card in this laptop. And if I decided I wanted to run and mine on my laptop, I would do it. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that will argue that there's still an error of centralization with, you know, farms and stuff like that. Well, go look at an ASIC farm. I walk through the, I mean, guys, I, have you seen some of these? ASIC? I, I went to, uh, I went down to Virginia beach and, and was able to walk through the largest, uh, Bitcoin mine on the East coast at that time. It probably still is. And we're talking football fields in, in terms of, you know, miners. And, and I'm standing there looking at this and I'm like, wow. This is centralization. I mean, come on, man. Like this isn't, that doesn't even make sense, you know? So our goal is to always remain ASIC resistant. And a lot of people ask us, they say, well, what happens if you find out there's an FPGA or an ASIC? Then I'm telling you, we will fork immediately. We already have something in place. So if you're a GP or if you're an ASIC uh, uh, provider or a FPGA provider, don't bother. Because if you do it, you might get, you may be able to fly it under the radar for a short period of time. Uh, but we, we will find it and we will fork immediately. We already have that commitment internally. So. That's great. That's also a great vision that you have plans in place for. Yeah, for because I think, I think what we found when we great. saw the, the Equihash, uh, you know, uh, the ASICs that were dropped onto Zcash, which I think Zcash made a really, a really piss poor decision with their, you know, not allow allowing ASICs on the chain because the argument always is, well, the more hash you have, the safer the chain. And that's just, that is just not true. That is not, that not true. It's how your project is built. Flux was built to be ASIC resistant. Um, you know, we've also been put pieces into place so the nodes will help us with our 51% attacks. And we also have policies and procedures to protect the individuals who would be attacked. So, you know, who was the individuals that were necessarily hurt by the 51% attacks? Well, it was the exchanges, right? So the double spends, you have to go where you can spend it. Well, if you can't do that, there's no value to 51% attack it, which means, you know, you can have, and I would always suggest spreading the hash out, but if you have a pool that has a little bit more hash than you're, what you're comfortable with, it's not the end of the world. So instead of taking the time to figure out what those measures are to prevent a 51% attack. I mean, you saw this with Ethereum Cla Classic as well. Um, they they chose to go a different way. Uh, you know, ETH had the opportunity. They, they kind of tried to pretend that they were pre preventing the ASICs from coming on board. But in reality, it didn't matter. Uh, they did it anyway. So, you know, Flux is 100% committed to true decentralization. And that means... We have to put our money and our time and materials and resources where 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 our talk is, and we'll make sure that we back up our miners. So, what about with the um, the nodes? So you have solid infrastructure for the mining to keep it decentralized. What about with nodes? How does that work? If people shut them down, for example, is the data then spread out? So the cool thing about the cool thing about uh, Flux and Flux OS and how it load balances is, is when you deploy, you deploy to five five to ten different instances, and they're 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 globally spawned. So you have no idea where they're going to spawn at. You could spawn one in China, one in North America, one in Asia, one in Europe, right, and wherever else. If one of those nodes goes offline, it'll immediately spawn another node to, to replicate the node that went offline. So the ultimate goal is to have this come so redundant and we'll eventually have um, 
geolocation as well. So we can you can deploy within physical regions, right? So right now it's globally. Um, you're going to have uh, uh, the geolocations that you can de de deploy regionally, um, and then you can even get into some some deeper pieces with that with what we're doing with Project Titan. But um, but yeah, I mean our goal it's much like mining. You know, Joe, Joe, it looks like mining. I mean, uh, you have to make sure that you uh, deploy your servers in, uh, uh, you know, different locations. They're deployed all over the world. We have like 40% of them deployed in Germany. Why? Because they're super cheap hosting in Germany. So our goal is to make, uh, to, to work with other, other platforms, just like we would work with a pool. And we would say, hey, you know, we really want to spread this hash out you guys have like 40 percent of the hash um you know let's let's run a promotion on one of the other pools to try to get people to spread the hash and i think you'll see the same thing with nodes so um the goal is we lost germany at one point in time so we literally lost the entire uh you know 40 40 plus percent of the network and we never went down so that tells you it's it's highly redundant. We lost 91% of our, our our network due to a bug, a downstream bug from Zcash that took our node network off the line. We lost 91% and not one of our dApps went down. So, I mean, that's a stress test that I wouldn't recommend anybody doing. And it's, <laughs> it was a nightmare. But, but boy, I'll tell you what, when it was all said and done, uh, we, we were like, wow, you yeah, I was super happy. I mean, you couldn't happy. ask for anything better. I mean, we we saw the uh, the chain split. We knew what happened within five minutes. Uh, within ten minutes, we had already you know got us back on the main chain, and we're working with pools to deploy the updated script to remove the the uh, downstream issue. Uh, and within an hour, we were back. You know, all of our explorers and my, pools and everything else was back online. So you know, if you're not breaking it. It's not technology. So people would say, you know, they would look at that like a negative thing. I don't look at it as a negative thing at all. I tell everybody that participates in the network. Yeah, we're going to break this. And I guarantee you're going to have to redo some stuff. And I guarantee you're going to have to work to make these things happen. Uh, but but the awesome thing is, is as you're breaking these things and if you can iterate fast enough, you, you all of a sudden create a, a more solid infrastructure for the project. And do you learn on the way? Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned that people are hosting in Germany. Uh, so people are basically renting uh, hosting uh, servers in data centers and putting the Flux OS on yep. them. That's, that's how I understand it. But in, that's opposite to decentralizing because I would assume it would be better for people to host their nodes they at do. home. So I would say the majority of the, the infrastructure is bare metal and hosted by the individuals. And as a matter of fact, you can deploy okay. on a Raspberry Pi or a Jetson. Um, you can deploy on uh, home servers. You can, you know, if you choose to run, you know, a rack and stack, uh, you know, we have individuals that, you know, uh, they, they get their bare metal and then they deploy them to different locations. Um, yeah. They, and there is there are VPSs and because we want we want the end users ultimately to make the decision what's the right fit for them. If you want to save a bunch of money and you really want to make the most out of your node, then you run bare metal. And I would say, let's say, you know, 45 percent or more is people running you know, Raspberry Pis or Jetsons or, you know, uh, stripped down computers that, you know, meet benchmarks or servers or Racker Stack and Colo locations, you name it. So now I, I would res I respectfully disagree. I think part of decentralization is allowing individuals to make the, their own choice and their own decisions to provide infrastructure. But I will say this, we, our solid goal is to, pro is to promote home deployment. And as a matter of fact, one of our partners that we just announced this past week was with Seed. Uh, and, and Seed provides infrastructure, Jetson-based infrastructure, for running nodes at home. Looks a little bit like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the helium miners, but essentially it's kind of like a helium miner that you can deploy. Okay, so what's the, what's the hardware required for these nodes? Like, uh, um, you, you, you mentioned Raspberry Pi, but on your website I uh, watched like a couple of nodes 
requirement. I mean, I think the minimum one was eight gigabyte of RAM. Yeah, so, so it would have uh, to be the new Pi, not the one with four gig. It would have to have eight gig, eight gigs of RAM. And the Jetson is is the same. There's there's a couple Jetsons that don't meet benchmark, and those those will only run like your base tier. Um, and I want to say that we we kind of structured it up that they'll run the second tier, but I, I know that I know they won't run what I affectionately call the BAMF, uh, the largest node. Um, you know, so, but essentially they provide, C provides infrastructure that you can buy uh, in these, in these beefed up because, you know, Jetsons are super powerful. People are building data centers with these Jetsons, you know, and it, we're working on our edge compute and our um, AI learning piece uh, with the Jetson deployments. Uh, Raspberry Pis, same scenario. There's going to be a, a, a storage class so our basics will become our storage class and you'll be able to provide additional storage and then be incentivized at a higher rate because you've you've reached you know let's say you know 250 terabytes and then 500 terabytes and then whatever you know so on and so forth so uh the criteria for each one of these nodes can be can be higher the benchmark does change in the node happening which starts next month uh the requirements go up so there are, will be some hardware that probably doesn't meet the criteria. But the cool thing about it is, is we're deploying a off-chain node structure as well. So you'll have your enterprise infrastructure that runs on the Flux node. So you'll have your, you know, Cumulus, Nimbus, and Stratus. And then there will be one called the Cirrus. The Cirrus provides, no, provides you a node network that allows companies to deploy software or let's say a Bellina wants to come in and deploy uh, artificial intelligence on that that on those Jetsons. Um, for five flux, you can stand up this node and you can participate in that network and you're directly rewarded by the individuals using the network. So, you know, the way easiest way I can explain this is right now, if you're sitting in college and you need, uh, you know, access to uh, a lot of compute resource, uh, you could deploy from our marketplace on on our Jets, Jetson platform your application to hundreds and hundreds of nodes, uh, and you can start you know participating in the network. Uh, this is free. This is free again for the yeah yeah the for users. the users. It costs them five flux to deploy. So that and it no no not like to deploy a node or to de uh, no to no the, the off chain is actually going to be a revenue generation model for those individuals so if if i work for for Bellina or nvidia or somebody that needs to deploy on you know on a mass scale we have thousands of these jetsons running i i would then pay a certain amount of money that then would be provided to those node operators so that's that's one part of the of the ecosystem is this is this we i call it the world's best test net because essentially it's like the main network mirrored, but you're you're basically deploying it and you're not getting chain rewards from that. So nothing has changed with with the uh, with the block rewards. They're not incentivized with the block rewards. They're incentivized with the people that are spending the resources to run the compute out of marketplace. Then you have the enterprise infrastructure, which is our three tier node system, and then you'll have what we call Project Titan, which is our Web two. Web3 legacy-based infrastructure, so you'll be able to run shared nodes. So say I have 250 Flux and I want to participate with a bunch of other people to stand up a node, you'll be able to do that on-chain. So there's no third-party custody of your asset. You basically provide your node key. Uh, it goes into a queue. They, a, a node gets stood up, and you're, there will be a, a little bit of a lockup period for that because we can't keep we can't have the nodes come in offline all at the same time. So there'll be a little lockup period for that. Um, I, I, three months or something like that. And then once the three months has expired, the node expires and everybody gets their funds back, plus what they've earned uh, by providing the, uh, the infrastructure. So the minimum, uh, let's say, collateral to build up a node is what amount five flux so you have well the off-chain solution is five flux and then for the on-chain solution currently it's uh, uh ten thousand flux for the basic twenty five thousand for the um, super and then for the big boy it's a hundred thousand after that how much how much is, is one flux worth a dollar thirty seven so they're not cheap but here's the here's the thing yeah. you have to look at the having comes those that criteria changes the basics become 1,000 flux, 
the supers become 12,500 flux and the big boys become 40,000 flux. So they're much more reasonable, much more affordable. It'll bring it'll bring a lot more infrastructure and we can continue to kind of keep scaling. So that's that happening is what we call hard scaling. So you have the soft scaling, which is the parallel assets and their distribution. And then you have the hard scaling, which is the actual happening, much like a Bitcoin happening that, you know, you guys are very familiar with. So that's the three tiers you're talking about. So that's Stratus, Cumulus, yes. Nimbus, and yep. Stratus. Is that right? Yeah, and if you go to the website, runonflux.io, you can scroll down about halfway and you can see the requirements. And then you'll also be able to see the new requirements. And if you want to test your gear out, we have a fully functional test net as well. So, you know, you come in, you request your test net coins, you deploy your infrastructure, make sure it meets all the criteria. Um, and then you can make the commitment to move over and, and buy mainnet and go go that route. I, I highly suggest anybody that's thinking about deploying to do it on the test net because then you can you can mess it up as many times as you want and not have to worry about a darn thing. Um, and, and plus two, you'd be able to some let's say somebody's sitting on the on the you know, uh, on the fence of whether or not they want to run, you know, a Nimbus or whether or not they want to run a Cumulus, um, you know, it'll allow them to test both both platforms and say, yeah, it just makes sense for me to run a Nimbus. And that's what I'm going to run. So, you know, highly recommend people checking out the test net. So do, do uh, node operators lose collateral by any, can I, if I set up a node and, I run out of power. Can I lose that? No, nope. or... you have to, you have to meet the benchmarks and the criteria. You know, it's just like, it's just like mining, right? So, you know, you have to make sure that you're ready and available when it's your turn. <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if you don't meet the criteria or the benchmarks, uh, you become a toaster is what we call it. So essentially you'll say, you'll get a little, a little error back saying, <laughs> Hey, uh, something happened with your benchmarks and you're out of queue now. So then you have to go back in and figure out what caused that to, to be out of queue and why why you became a toaster. And then you'll move to, you know, back in queue again and, and you'll run. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of work running nodes. We call them decentralized systems administrators because they're building business models on top of what they're doing. So these folks that are running nodes, it's a business for them. That's the way they look at it. It's a lot of work. So let's take um, an example then. So for example, you wanted to set up a, a Minecraft server on Flux. How could you how could you do that? And so where, where would the data be stored? You mentioned you have five. Yep. Each instance you spin up five. Yep. So we there. recently deployed uh bedrock Minecraft bedrock so, servers and we had a Minecraft competition where people could go in and build on Flux, uh their own little Flux world. We had uh, the, the, the winner was super creative, uh, with how, I mean, it was an entire world based around flux. It really blew my mind. They spent a lot of time on it. Um, but essentially what that does is deploys on multiple service and servers and gives you redundancy. We're working on our perpetual storage model right now. So the integration of IPFS and other, uh, constant, constant, uh, data set is as our next push, um, and that'll also bring in, you know, the ability to launch databases that inter, 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 interlock between nodes so that it gives you more level of redundancy. So our goal is to, if Airbnb wanted to deploy on Flux, they could do that in a very redundant uh, manner. Um, our goal is also to allow them to remain in Web 2 while they're working on migrating to Web 3. So I, I'm not... I'm not a tribalistic guy. I believe Web 2 doesn't go away, but I, I believe Web 3 will work in tandem with Web 2 as, as people move from Web 2 to start to get com comfortable with Web 3. So you could see an Airbnb where part of their infrastructure is run on legacy-based infrastructure, Web 2, and part of it's ran on a decentralized model. Or even better yet, and sorry, Airbnb, I'll, I'll say it, somebody creates a new Airbnb, Airbnb on web three that's a which which is an autonomous network and the individuals participating in airbnb would be the ones that are the ones that are voting for the business model so it gives you really a true decentralized autonomous organization because it's not an a, a, a decentralized autonomous uh, organization that runs on legacy-based infrastructure it's 
autonomous uh, or decentralized autonomous and it's running on decentralized infrastructure. So there's a big that's a big deal. You, before you mentioned queues, uh, so if there's a not, not enough, uh, let's say, storage or uh, computational power, uh, how are users spread out? So if I want to set up a Minecraft server and I'm put in a queue, no, is that correct? And once enough storage is freed up, nope. then I, I'm in no, the... We have enough, no, we have enough horsepower right now to run, you know, <clears throat> I mean... I, I, 2,800 nodes. I couldn't even, I can tell you the, the, if I pull it up here, um, the, the exact, um, uh, amount of resources on the network. So, so it's rather, uh, the other way around. If you set up a node, you're waiting for someone to No, do... you just, if you're, if you're setting up a node. Okay. So what you're, you're, you're talking about two different things. You're talking about deploying a node and being a decentralized systems administrator or deploying a dap or a website or something like this this yes. this you yes. are the you know you're working as uh the backbone of flux and you're providing the computational resources this guy is coming in and he wants to deploy a minecraft server so he goes to our goes to deploy now and he goes through the process and he basically deploys on this infrastructure that's supported by the node ops so these are two different people um I understand that, but what if there's enough, not enough, uh, let's say, there's not enough uh, people who want to set up the apps? Well, well, I mean, uh, developers are everything. So we have we have to have you know ongoing developers, and we're seeing them come in mass. Um, so that'll continue to keep growing. So right now we have about thirteen thousand nine hundred and three total cores, about forty three terabytes of RAM. Uh, 967 terabytes of hard drive space and our total hard drives uh, deployed is about 139 terabytes as well. So, I mean, good luck deploying anything that's going to tax this network. I mean, you know, we're, we're running 4,800 plus instances of, you know, pre-search nodes, Firo nodes, KDA nodes. I mean, KDA runs a thousand nodes alone themselves uh, to help them bolster their decentralized network. So there's no, there's no wait period. Like you literally can, you know, go in and deploy your app. There is, as we move through our first iteration, there is kind of like a whitelisting process where you have to have your Docker image, you know, whitelisted. Uh, that'll eventually go away. And then people will just immediately be able to go in and deploy to the decentralized network as long as they meet the criteria provided by the XDAO. Um, so the XDAO is really the governance model of the whole project. So the, the community, it is for the people, by the people. They're the folks that are pulling the shots and we're just developing the, the, the top end infrastructure for what they're supporting. So let's talk a bit about the, the future. You've mentioned you have sort of different phases that you expect, like with the whitelisting going away. What are, what are sort of the key uh, so we want to see, you know, Flux will probably, for all intents and purposes, Flux will be with this having the largest decentralized, we're, we're the largest decentralized compute network now, but we're going to solidify ourselves as the player in the space for Web3. If you're really building, whether you're using the metaverse, uh, which I think is just a buzzword, but, but essentially, yeah, we all know that it's going to be, you know, big. If you're deploying, you know, dApps for NFTs, if you're, you know, standing up a, a decentralized application that you want to run, Flux will just be, naturally be the go-to. Um, because we're agnostic, you could see other platforms that are doing, you know, other things that we're going to work with that, that will de deploy things on the network that make sense. So uh, what does that look like? Well, we, we're not a privacy-based coin. We remove the privacy as, aspect, but there are projects that do privacy much better than us, and you're going to see those their technologies deployed on our infrastructure. So we are literally the glue that's going to bind this Web3 thing, web thing together, and we never wanted to be... It's not sexy. It's not the, you know, you know, blazing a new trail of DeFi. It is the support model behind it that's going to make all of that possible. It's yeah, the backbone. Backbone. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pirate Bay and their issue. Uh, 
basically they get shut down continuously because uh, the authorities keep shutting them down. What if they were to host their website on on Flux? Would authorities be able to shut the website down? No, the servers? Uh, they could not. They could not. They could not. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a very finite ter terms of service for using Flux. I mean, we, I think all everybody could agree that there's certain content uh, that shouldn't be allowed on any network ever in the history of ever. And it's just a moral uh, piece. And I would never associate myself with a project that would allow that to transpire. Um, but I do believe we, we, we don't pick or choose winners. And if if the government has an issue with that particular platform, they need to deal with that platform. They don't need to deal with their infrastructure that runs it. So, you know, we look at ourselves as like what an ISP would be. Uh, you can't hold ISPs liable for the traffic that passes through their network. You just can't. It's impossible. Flux. But what if, let's say, some authorities come to you and say, there's a website, we don't want it up there. C can you shut it down, basically? Not if you will, but if you can. Uh, I would tell them that we could not. I mean, th they're going to have to do a better job on their side to track down who this individual is and, and, and do their work. So, you know, we're not a pinch point. I mean, we're much like, you know, we're it's out of our hands. Like, where do you send that subpoena? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So they're going to have governments and, and individuals are going to have to work and figure out a process so that they can provide infrastructure. Now, if authorities came to us and say, hey, we have a particular server that is hosting, you know, certain types of pornography or whatever like that. Um, could we point out that server? Yes, we can. Uh, and it would meet it would go against the community's terms of services. So we would just blacklist that server and then that would be gone. So, uh, but we would only do it for that particular case. And it's only done because the XDAO has approved it as, 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 you know, cause that's the biggest thing, you know, node operators, operators want to know they're protected, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm a cypherpunk by heart, but I also know too, that there are things out there that, you know, you just can't have floating around and it's just i wouldn't be associated with a project that did so um but the long story short is pirate bay if you're looking to run run on flux yeah and i mean good <laughs> luck with that i mean where the hell do you send it i mean if somebody had you know there this comment came up about bitcoin you know many years ago when they said about you know in in the signature that they could you could put you know whatever and they're like you know well, what do you do if somebody puts something on the blockchain and it, it's it's not fit. How do you take it down? You don't. <laughs> I mean, it's a byproduct, and it, it's a it's a it's a huge uh, positive because it, uh, decentralization allows you to uh, not deplatform individuals, but give them the opportunity. And by the way, if you're breaking the law, they're going to get you no matter what you do, right? They're going to find you, and you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna have to pay for that, but the infrastructure isn't going to pick and choose whether or not you're doing that. So if Joe Rogan is running on uh, uh, flux, we don't give a shit what he says. It's free speech, right? Um, you know, if, if, you know, we live in a really weird time where we had a sitting president of the United States deplatformed from Twitter because it, it didn't align with what their political views were. Uh, we're literally watching Canada begin to censor individuals and go after their bank accounts because they have opposing views to you, you have constructive opposing views to what the mainstream is. So there there has to be a better way. There has to be an option. And there is. And that's flux. Yeah. So where, where do you see that sort of evolve with Web3? There's lots of kind of challenges that that it can have. If we take, for example, um, things like data storage in some jurisdictions, even like in the European Union, we have like GDPR and things like that. How do you see Web3 evolving with this? Because obviously that's... Uh, some, yeah, I think there will conflict be conflict, there, but I think it's like everything else. I mean, you know, the governments and the individuals who have power are often late to move in any new new disruptive technology. I, I say Flux came to disrupt the disruptors. We showed up, you know, blockchain technology as a whole of what, what it, the, the, 
the the whole premise of it was to have this decentralized nobody can control it it's for the people by the people and then all you saw was legacy web you know web 2 projects come in and build on top of that even to the point where they want to change the protocols from proof of uh, work to proof of stake well proof of stake is just legacy based infrastructure so you know the disruptors came in which was blockchain as a whole and said we're going to disrupt the financial space and everything else and then they started to migrate toward being just like the financial space that they're trying to change. And then in comes Flux that says, nope, 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 this isn't how it is. You know, uh, one of the mo mottos of Google for many years was don't be evil. And one of the motto uh, mottos for Flux is don't be evil again. Because we believe that, you know, stakeholders and shareholders and VC businesses are the ones that are controlling ultimately what comes to you and what you discern and what you disseminate as information. And you, you're very limited to what they allow. Flux changes that whole paradigm. It flips it up on its head. You know, even, even projects like electronic medical records to be able to hold your EMR on the blockchain, that's, that's a big deal. Why do I want Google analyzing my my health records? I want it somewhere where I can have it and it's portable for me. And with my phone, I can carry my walk into a hospital, provide them a QR code and allow them to access my EMR. That's what Flux can do. So, you know, there's there's a lot of different areas, supply chain management, even even voting in a decentralized manner. Our XDAO works well. We don't need to know who the individuals are that are voting. We just know that they're, 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 they're producing network resources that allow them to vote. There's a way to do that in a more uh, decentralized manner than what we do today when our elections are kind of ran by, well, if you're in the States, one would argue, you know, <laughs> it's, it's rough at best. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. Uh, Flux changes that <laughs> because there's no, there's no third party that, that is in the middle. It's between, it's a peer-to-peer -peer based system. So I would love to see it. I think you're starting to see people uh, gravitate toward Web3. Uh, Andrew Yang, who uh, recently came out, he was a presidential candidate in the States, uh, started Web3-based project, which is really kind of interesting. Um, you're seeing, you know, Jack Dorsey. You're seeing, you know, uh, different people. Uh, Elon Musk talking about Web3. Where is Web3? He doesn't understand Web3, but he will. Um, you know, because you, you're not going to, it's going to be very difficult to ignore us. Uh, and it, right around the July timeframe or whenever ETH finally moves to proof of stake, all those folks sitting with graphics cards hashing and all those folks that are going to need to research a new project, they're going to find us and we're going to be waiting. Where do you see uh, Web3 and Flux in five years? Well, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that this doesn't change overnight. I think it's, I mean, if you go back, I was part of the original, you know, OGs that moved from bare metal to cloud. And I remember sitting in board meetings, trying to tell people like, look, we need to move our infrastructure to the cloud. Well, what's the cloud? Where's the cloud? I don't even understand the cloud. Okay. So it took 10 years, the better part of 10 years. And we still have holdout individuals, the laggards that aren't necessarily move to cloud infrastructure. The cloud is real. It is a place. It is a colo location. It is redundant. It is static. So that's web two. So what I see are early adopters who understand that this is going to impact their business model, start to research how they can have symbiotic relationships with web three. So I think that the natural transition was bare metal to cloud from cloud to web three. And then I think there still is a span between all three of those. And uh, we're going to look, we're going to go after large institutions that uh, are looking to expand. I, I mentioned Airbnb, but, you know, imagine if, you know, um, you know, if you had uh, Uber on, on running on Flux as an autonomous network. Um, so we bring lots of use cases. Here's, here's the kick ass part, right? This is a part that gets me excited. If you were a major juggernaut in Web2, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the or Meta, whatever they call it now, and you you have built this Web2 legacy-based infrastructure. That means nothing in the Web3 world. You are nothing in the Web3 world. The Web3 world is completely different. So you're already starting to see major players hiring Web3 individuals that understand that this is the natural transition. And if they're not first movers, they're going to miss out. Look, Netscape Navigator was like the go-to search engine. You know, it was like everybody used it. It was on every computer. It was everywhere. 
And along comes Google, right? And disrupts them and says, you know, there is a, 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 the algorithms rhythms are better. The, the deployment's better. The look is better. It's cleaner. People adopted it quicker. And Netscape Navigator doesn't even exist today. So their world, which they can, controlled in web one, which was read, when we became web two, which is read, write, they were no longer valid. And now we're moving to web three, where it's read, write and own. So these folks who built web two infrastructure, if they're not wise, and they don't start looking at how they can deploy on web three, it's going to, they, they will cease to exist as a business model, they will be the next Netscape, AOL, you know, you name it, you can go on and on. So over the next five years, I think you'll see those folks start to launch like these, these, you know, relationships with Web3. I mean, I can tell you right now, we're working with many, many large companies who want to understand, you know, how Web3 works and why it's going to benefit them. So I sat in a meeting the other day for two hours. I was the only one that wasn't wearing a suit and tie. And at the, at the beginning of the meeting, they kind of like scoffed. And I was like almost like this weirdo in his basement that, you know, is like the cypherpunk guy that, you know, he wants to just burn down the world. And they almost scoffed at me at, at the beginning. But, but at the end of the two hour period, they asked to work with us. So, you know, people, when you present them with the real use case it, 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 and it's going to disrupt their business model, they get a little terrified. And that's, that's man, those are the moments I relish. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love seeing the look on their face when the light goes off and you're like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very hard to understand uh, Web3 if you don't have like use cases because most people just talk uh, Web3, Web3, and you don't quite understand what's that yeah. all about if someone doesn't uh, explain it to you in, in the early five way. Explain me like I'm yeah. five. Well, I think a lot of it is the term Web3 is kind of a, they use it as a buzzword, but the fundamental underpinnings of what it is, is to just decentralized compute. That's all it is, you know? So, you know, we, we, we embrace the Web3 because it's easier. Folks that were in Web2 or in any really business model, okay? And you started talking to them about crypto or blockchain. Mm -mm. No, mm -mm. no, nope, nope, that's a scam. It's, you know, it's bad. It's this, it's, you know, only people use it for illegal stuff, yada, yada, yada. That, but mm -mm, crypto, no blockchain. When you explain them what Web3 is, it looks like Web2. And people that were resistant to moving into crypto and blockchain because of the condensation that it had will move to Web3 because it looks like what they already know. So, you know, you can easily, easily, yeah. You can easily explain that yeah, between those two things. And they don't they don't care about the fundamental technology underneath of it. They just want to be able to understand here's web two, here's web three. I wonder if Satoshi It's exactly exactly like Wi Fi. Like you have the um, that magic yep. moment when yep. you don't need to know what's going on behind. It just works. I wonder if Satoshi understood the what what will the blockchain bring if he saw that far well if you go back and look at some of his his posts on his blog specifically and there's a couple of emails i believe it was to um uh, i want to i can't remember who it was to um but he but anyway uh the 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 crux of it is is he understood that it, uh you know uh proof of work would iterate now his vision he, i don't know that he could have uh, he did talk about consensus. He did talk about if, you know, somebody in the project didn't agree with the direction of the project, they could create, you know, a fork from the project and they can run their own project. I don't know if conceptually he envisioned looking at what we are today um, in terms of all these altcoins that are out there. Um, and I think he would be pretty, pretty upset with some of the projects like the meme coins and, and really just the shit coin out there. But, but, you know, the thing about it is, 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 you know, he acknowledged multiple times that these nodes and this mining infrastructure would 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 kind of almost come under attack because of the use of resources so it was a necessary evil for decentralization 
But kind of the holy grail for that is to create a proof of use of work, which is exactly what Flux has been building on for the past four years. So I'm not saying we're fixing Satoshi Nakamoto's problem. I think the problem's a real one and we got to continue to as a community. And I'm not talking the Flux community. I'm talking as the blockchain community. Look at solutions to provide better, uh, better solutions to how we provide these comp resources. ASICs are not going to do it. GPUs are going to do it because I can use GPUs to render. I can use uh, GPUs for folding. I can use GPUs, uh, real proof of use of work. So, yeah, I mean, I think Web3 is really going to, it's it's gaining its attention now to the very early, if we're on the adoption curve, right? Here's the adoption curve. We're down here way before early adopters. We're like literally at the beginning of a baseball game. You know, we're, we're not even in the first inning yet. We're We're in the dugouts. So I think over the next five years, I think you're going to see that uh, that adoption curve. And like uh, Joe mentioned about Wi-Fi, you know, I remember the first time I turned wi- turned on my very first Wi-Fi router and I was like, it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do, did I understand the fundamental underpinnings of how it worked? Nope, didn't care. It was nice. Now I can sit in my living room with my laptop. <laughs> so, you know, it all worked out in the end. But I think that's what, you know, I think that's what sets Web3 apart a little bit because you really have two uh, demographics. You have retail, the individuals who are going to use it and deploy on it. And then you have the institutional folks who are going to want to figure out how to tell how to migrate into a specific part of Web3. Yeah. I look forward to. Uh, oh man, that's one of my. That's social media on Web. Somebody asked me the other day. They said, "What, you know, if you could pick it's one thing to deploy on Flux today, what would it be?" And I was like, "I want Twitter on Flux, but I don't want it to be Twitter. You know, I, I want it to. I want it to be. It's the very first guy. So if you're a developer and you're out there listening right now, and you have, you know, the knowledge to build a, uh, you know, a, a application like that, and and be able to Dockerize and deploy it, uh. We offered a hundred thousand flux, which is about two, almost a quarter of a million dollars, uh, for that person to come in and deploy that infrastructure. So that's out there, guys. And if if you come in and you can make it work, you can get the first mover advantage, and you can make a nice uh, chunk of change doing it as well. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see that. <laughs> So yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's been really great to hear from you and from everything about Flux. We um, just recently listed uh, Zellhash on the NiceHash. So anyone who's interested to get involved with it can get involved with it uh, on NiceHash as well. But of course, you can go and check out uh, Run on Flux and explore all the interesting aspects of it. Check out their testnet and make sure you follow NiceHash. Thanks, guys. Flux Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll see you all soon in the next episode. Thanks for joining. <laughs>